what we believe is rock solid. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome you today to the house of the Lord. And I'm glad that you're here. We thank God for the singers and the musicians so wonderfully leading us in worship and in praise. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'd like to just offer up a prayer. Uh, Living Hope Assembly of God in Pawtucket, Pastor Charlie Cabral, they are celebrating today their 30th church anniversary. And so we want to pray for them. My wife and I will be going to a banquet uh, in honor of them and in honor of their church this afternoon. But um, can you stand again? I know we pray a lot here, uh, but I think that's a good thing. I won't apologize for praying too much in church. Amen. Father, we thank you for the church that you are building. We put names and labels on churches, but God, you only see one church the church that is blood-bought, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and by faith living out the gospel in this world. And we thank you for living hope. We thank you for uh, Pastor Cabral and his wife. We thank you for the, the great work they've done in that area of Rhode Island. We pray a blessing over them. We pray a fresh anointing over their ministry, over their church. Let them be just doubly blessed today in the banquet and all of the celebration today, we pray. In G standing, <clears throat> catch some of you halfway down. We're going to read a passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The title of my message this morning um, is something I don't think any of you could relate to. It's called The Purpose of Suffering and Trials. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure and above strength so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. May God add his blessing to his word. In Jesus' name, you may be seated for real. <clears throat> One of the greatest preachers, literally, of all time was a preacher named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
He lived in London in the 1900s. His preaching, his teaching, his sermons were written down, and he is known as the most recorded, published preacher of all times besides the biblical preachers. Charles Haddon Spurgeon became known as the Prince of Preachers. He once made an interesting statement. He said this, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me upon the rock of ages. Let me say that again. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me upon the rock of ages. We know that in the scriptures and in life, a wave is a word picture for suffering and trials. The rock of ages is the name for Christ. We see that in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4, when we hear of the rock of ages. What Spurgeon was saying is that he learned, listen, he learned to welcome and appreciate the trials that forced him to draw closer to Christ. You see, this morning, this saying might not be readily accepted or liked by most of us, if not all of us. But isn't that what the scriptures say? I'm going to turn over to Romans chapter 5. Here's what Paul says. Not only that, but we also, I don't want to say it, in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. James, another one of the apostles, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, said, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. What was Spurgeon saying? He was saying, kiss the wave that throws you upon the rock of ages. What was he saying? He was saying, welcome your trials because your trials and your tribulations draw you or cause you to draw closer to God. As I said, Charles Spurgeon, the most widely read and published preacher of all times, and understand there was no internet, there was no Google, there was no social media in his time. He was used greatly by God. But you know what I found out is he suffered greatly. At 22 years old, think about it, 22 years old, he was preaching before 10,000 people. That is unheard of back then. Today, we hear and we know of mega churches that have tens of thousands of people. But this was in a time when there was no such concept. And he preached at 22 years old, at a large auditorium that was seating 10,000 people, and there were thousands of people that were listening outside the building because they could not get in the building. He concluded his prayer at the end of the sermon. Someone in the, someone in the back shouted, fire. That caused there to be an, uh, chaos People were running and trampling one another, rushing to get out. It was a prank. 
but it was a sick and sad prank. Seven people died. 28 were in critical condition. This experience so affected Spurgeon. He's 22 years old, highly gifted, preaching to tens of thousands of people. But this so affected Spurgeon that he sunk into a depression. He became plagued with guilt. And it was said that he despaired of ever preaching the gospel again. Thank God eventually he recovered, but he dealt with depression and he would have a lifelong battle with the gout, with arthritis, and other trials. What helped me as I studied this or as I learned more of, of Spurgeon was that his great ministry or his great suffering produced a greater level of ministry. It helps us to appreciate the quotable quote that he said when you understand that he lived it out in his life. Today, as we sit here, we realize whatever our circumstances are, suffering is everywhere. The pain may be physical, marital, financial, emotional, affecting a friend, a relative, an immediate family member, or oneself. And the questions that plague us in the throes of our suffering, the questions that we, we deal with, and we have this the theological uh, debate with ourselves and struggle in trying to comprehend what God is doing, we ask the questions, why? Why this? Why me? Why now? The suffering, the pain, the trials, as we, we experience them in life, it's not an easy subject to process. Amen? Isn't that true? How do we reconcile the suffering and the pain that we go through with the God that we declare that is good? We are all united this morning. We are all one this morning in the experiential reality of suffering. Death Divorce, bankruptcy, cancer, heart disease, scandal, abortion, rape, betrayal, painful words spoken. We have all come to experience suffering. This passage of scripture I want us to further look at this morning was written out of the life and the experience of Paul the Apostle. I want you to notice what he said. If you would look at verse 8. Here is Paul writing, he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble, another word, tribulation, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. Think of those words from Paul the Apostle. Sometimes you and I might tend to exaggerate, maybe uh, embellish our problems. But here's Paul under the authority of, of the Holy Spirit writing scripture. And, he, and he's not exaggerating. He's not using extreme language. He is saying that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, that we even despaired of life. 
I'm so glad this morning that the word of God is so relevant, the word of God is so real, that it speaks to us where we live and where we're at, that we can never say that the scriptures are beyond our reach or that the Bible is irrelevant. It is very relevant today. Can you say amen? I want you to turn over, and, and we don't know what Paul was exactly dealing with uh, at this particular moment. Uh, commentators, scholars would speculate and, and propose a few things, but, but we do know what he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He says that I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently. He didn't just go to prison once. He says in prisons frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes. He was whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That wasn't on drugs. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils, perils of my own countrymen, and Gentiles, and wilderness, and, and, and false brethren, in weariness, and toil, and sleeplessness, often in hunger, and thirst, and fastings, uh, often in cold and nakedness. Wow. This morning, we need a biblical framework to help us deal with such a hard-to-grasp subject of suffering. So what do we do? We start with God. Amen? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And so Paul lays the foundation uh, for us when he discusses this, this difficult and hard uh, to process subject of, of suffering and trials and tribulations. He lays a foundation with us of who God is and what he is like. And he does that for us in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We see in this passage of scripture that as Paul begins to deal with the topic of suffering, he first introduces us to the God who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. It is a praise and a worship to the character and the person of Almighty God, Father of mercies. God's mercy is his tender-hearted, loving compassion for his people. It is his tenderness of heart towards those in need. Aren't you glad that the scriptures say that God is rich in mercy? He's rich in mercy. He has an abundance of mercy. And his mercy is towards you and I. Another definition is mercy is God extending his patience to those who deserve to be punished. I'm grateful for mercy this morning. God extends, extends his patience to those who deserve to be punished. If you are sitting here sanctimoniously thinking that you are so holy, understand that all of us, you and I, need God's mercy. But he's also known as the God of all comfort. Comfort comes from the Greek word parakletos. 
It means to be called alongside. We get the word para, paralegal, parachurch ministry, something called alongside. Para means called alongside. It's the comfort of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that this morning. We find in the scriptures the word comfort after one. We see that in this passage of scripture, the word comfort or consolation or any form of the word is used 10 times. 10 times. Comfort is standing beside one to minister encouragement when they are going through a severe testing. You know, I, I came across this. This is very interesting uh, about how different people view uh, people who are going through trials. A man fell into a pit and he couldn't get out himself. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall into the pit. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you are in a pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on his pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. A, co a county inspector asked if he had a permit to dig a pit. A county tax assessor came along and figured out the taxes that were owed on the pit. A health and wealth prosperity preacher said, just confess that you're not in a pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. But thank God, a friend came along. He jumped into the pit with him and said, we will figure out a way out of this pit together. Amen. Amen. I thank God that one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, the Word of God tells us, and I want you to hear it this morning. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper or another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Aren't you glad this morning that God's Holy Spirit, that Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us. And the Bible tells us he's the God of all comfort, all emphasizing the complete adequacy of that comfort for every circumstance that may arise. Can you say it with me this morning that he is the God of all comfort. Would you say it? He is the God of all comfort. We have to believe that this morning. In Hebrews 6, 11, 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is. This morning, we must believe that he is the father of all comfort. We must believe that he's the father of all mercies, the God of all comfort. So this morning, as, as I just kind of wrap this up in the next few moments, what is one of the purposes 
There are several purposes. I will continue, conclude this message next week, but one purpose we want to look at this morning, what is the purpose of your suffering and of your trial? It's right in the text. I love the word of God when it just lays it out and you could just expound it and explain it and it's right there. Look at verse four. Who comforts us in some of our troubles. Who comforts us in, oh, let me hear all of you. Who comforts us in of our tribulation. Here it is. Here's one of the purposes. Here's one of the reasons that you and I go through suffering, that you and I experience trials. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Two, one of the reasons so that we are prepared to comfort others. That means to bring encouragement and consolation to others. God the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to comfort and encourage us and minister to us that we in turn might be able to minister that comfort to other people. As I mentioned Charles Spurgeon, he was one of the most great, he's the greatest and most articulate and, and, and one of the most powerful preachers of all time, but he just didn't saunter out to the pulpit carefree. He suffered deeply and he suffered greatly, and God used all of that to cause him to be one of the most effective ministers in church history. So here we see that God says that, that we would be prepared to comfort others that are in any trouble with the comfort that we have received from God ourselves. You see, God comforts us so that we may perform the God-like ministry of comforting and encouraging. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. The Holy Spirit is called the encourager. So when you and I begin to function in the ministry of encouraging others and comforting others, we are now performing a God-like ministry. How many of you with me this morning? What happens is we become channels and vessels for God to encourage others. Now, when, when, when I was just studying the word of God and, 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 and processing and thinking of this information, God just, God just gave me this phrase, this quote. Now, if you quote me, it's not, it's not Spurgeon, it's not F.B. Meyer, it's not Steve Furtick, it's not T.D. Jakes, it's Pastor Richard. Come on now. The, here it is. The greater level of suffering, the greater degree of ministry. The greater level of suffering, the greater degree of ministry. Someone else said, great hearts can only be made great through suffering. Another preacher said, you experience your greatest ministry when you're in your deepest misery. Amen. People are saying hallelujah right now. Someone else, I believe it was A.W. Toads who said, it is doubtful whether God can use a person greatly unless he has hurt him deeply. 
The greatest ministries, the greatest ministers, the greatest Christians are forged in the fire. I'm sorry, I, I hate to, 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 to break it to you, but, but there are no shortcuts. There are no easy way through this. Look at our Savior, look at Jesus. The Bible says he was a man acquainted with sorrows and he knew grief. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. We're talking about kissing the wave that forces us upon the rock of ages. Joseph is a great biblical example. We know he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He's in prison wrongfully. And while he's in prison, here he is suffering. If anyone had a reason to be bitter and hateful and totally discouraged, wouldn't you say it's Joseph? But God was with him even in prison. He becomes the keeper of the prison. But one day he sees two of Pharaoh's attendants thrown into his prison, and he becomes responsible for them. And he notices one day that they're sad. Oh, I don't know if you get that. Don't just gloss over it. Don't just read over it. Just think about that. Here is Joseph. He's sold into slavery. He's hated by his brothers. I mean, we might have some dysfunction in our families, but did anybody ever get sold into slavery by your family? Here he is, sold into slavery. Here he is, falsely accused, thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And here he is, he could be one of the most bitter and hateful and angry persons. But one day, he saw somebody else in their pain. Oh, I don't know if you're getting at that this morning. Because it's so hard to see beyond our pain. It's so hard to see beyond what we're going through. But that's what God wants to produce in our lives. That's where God wants to get us beyond ourselves, beyond looking at our own world and our own problems and be able to see others. And so Joseph saw that they were sad. And he tried to minister. And he began to minister. And you know what happened? It became his ticket out of prison. Oh, I don't know if you heard that. Come on, I don't know if you heard that this morning. His, his compassion and his own pain for somebody else became his ticket out of prison because one day they remembered that there was somebody who cared, somebody who could interpret dreams, and they told Pharaoh, and that was his ticket out. You never know how God is going to use your pain for somebody else and how God is going to bring you out. Can you say amen? As I close this morning, I want to ask you, who is the most effective in ministry to those who are in pain and suffering? Those who have suffered and endured excruciating pain. Who has the authority to speak to a drug addict and an alcoholic and bring in comfort and encouragement to one who has been delivered, one who has been set free by the power of Jesus Christ themselves? Who has the authority to speak to a woman who has suffered the guilt and pain of an abortion, but one who has lived through the trauma and has been forgiven and healed themselves? Who has the authority to speak to one who has depression and anxiety and panic attacks, one who has battled with depression and, and walked through dark nights of the soul and received comfort from God? Who has the authority to speak to one who has been uh, through betrayal and rejection? One who has dealt with it and who has forgiven and has been healed. 
Who has the authority to speak about being given up for adoption like Pastor Lisa or Pastor Mike and who has lived through the rejection and had to deal with the hurt and the pain and have come out whole, they now have an authority to speak to a younger generation that is motherless and fatherless and say God can heal, God can restore, and God can bring you through. You see, Paul tells us in verse 4, the comfort that you receive, now you have an authority to comfort other people who are in trouble. I'm not talking about platitudes. I'm not talking about Job's comforters. I'm not talking about just saying, saying nice words that you hear, but I'm talking about authority saying, I've been through it. I know whom I have believed in. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You see, many times we think authority comes from a title. Sometimes we think authority comes from a, posi a position. Sometimes we think authority is when someone shouts a little louder. You know, uh, one time a preacher left his notes up on the pulpit and someone came and just was putting them away and they noticed in red ink in the notes, weak point, Shout louder. And sometimes we think, and I think maybe in our culture today, what is there? There's a lot of people shouting. Amen? There's a lot of people arguing. There's a lot of people just shouting and not listening and arguing and just saying what they want to say. And, 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 but, but understand in the church, in Christianity, our authority comes from going through tribulation and suffering with the comfort we receive from God we are now able to minister to others God wants to use you and me powerfully to impact others with the love the grace and the mercy through Jesus Christ you know you know the difference don't you when somebody ministers to you and you know they've gone through hell themselves. When they speak, they have an authority. When they speak, they have a compassion. Some people have not gone through, frankly, enough pain and suffering to have that kind of compassion. But you know what? If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we need to have the real deal. Amen? Not just God bless you, we're praying for you, you're going to be okay. Some of those words ring so hollow when someone hasn't gone through it. But when they have gone through it, sometimes they can say the simplest words and it has the most power and it has the most authority. How does this happen? By receiving the comfort of God for ourselves in our pain. You see, it's so easy to wax eloquent of the benefits of suffering when you're relatively pain-free. But when you're in the midst of heartache, it's not so easy. You know, I want to close just with this this morning. If the singers and the musicians would, would come back up. This, this is an article from a pastor in Afghanistan. And it's anonymous, but he writes, this is from August 25th. And he says, our people are on the move, running from house to house and city to city to avoid getting caught. Unfortunately, many Afghans are called calling out of uh, 
out of the location of people in hiding to gain favor with the Taliban. The situation is dire for our people uh, as they are witnessing women and girls being taken from their homes by the Taliban and being raped. The streets of Kabul are nearly empty. There are no women or girls walking around and it talks about thousands of people, some of the images we've seen on TV. But listen to what he says. These Christians are not afraid to die. Their courage is on the dramatic rise and their will is strong. But chaos and evil have been waiting around every corner. For the first 300 years of, of the church, persecution was not expected, not the exception for every follower of Jesus. Afghanistan's didn't suddenly become dangerous for Christians. It is always, Afghanistan didn't suddenly become dangerous for Christians. It always has been dangerous. This crisis, however, has put a global spotlight on what has been the normal Christian experience for believers in Muslim nations. Listen to this. Yet the underground church continues to thrive. Though the problems are dire and the outcome seems grim, we carry the unrivaled hope of the gospel that continues to prove that our enemy, what our enemies intend for evil will always work out for our good and for God's glory. Where governments, politics, and military efforts have failed, the kingdom of God will flourish and the gospel will advance. Listen to what he says. God does his greatest work in our darkest hour. Would you stand together with me this morning? I know you have a heart to serve God. I know you have a heart to want to minister to other people. But that only happens through the process of us dealing with our pain and our suffering in a biblical way, receiving the comfort and the grace from God. And then we in turn have the ability with an authority in God to pray, to speak, and to love people. Amen. If that's your heart, if that's your desire, if you just need comfort, I want you to come to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our distresses. Would you just step out and come around the front this morning? And if you want to use, you want God to use your pain, someone once said, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your fill in the blank. This morning, God wants to give you comfort that you might be powerfully used by God. Would you just come forward as they sing and then we're going to close in prayer. Amen.